Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We would like to begin this podcast by honoring the Keech, Shumash, and Tongva people who are the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording on today, and also pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Salad or Dali, through a great party, we all drank Bacardi, it got kind of gnarly. We're light as a feather, we're tougher than leather, together we're weirder, we're weirder together. When we think about the Weirder Together extended universe, Ioni Sky... <laughs> My chair's creaking. But when we think about the extended universe, you know, there are key players in that universe. Yeah, the biggest key players in the room today. Yes. We would not be here today. You would. I wouldn't. Yeah. What brought you into existence is a powerhouse of a woman, a dynamic, iconic <sighs> historical figure. In Los she Angeles. has many names. She's had many names. Give us some of those names. Um, Enid Stolberger, Enid Stuhlberger, Enid Sages, Enid Carl, Enid Stefan, Enid Gratis Ma. Queen of the Gelato Ladies. Queen of the Gelato. Oh, Poker Champ. The um, Door Bitch at the Whiskey in 1969. Um, Ma, um, Grandma, you know, lots of names. So our guest today is none other. Than my, and my mother. beloved mother-in-law, your mother, Aww. Enid. How are you? I'm I'm great. Happy to be here and be honored by my beloved. Yeah, we have brought you here today to honor you. It's gonna yes. be this is gonna be it's gonna be like kind of like the Kennedy Center. We're gonna trot out all of your peers. We've got Narit coming in to give a short speech. So many people have wanted to hear your stories. At one point, you were gonna write a uh, a sort of memoir with a friend, Rock and Egg Roll, because- Wait, Rock- the book was going to be called Rock and Egg Roll? Rock and Egg Roll. Rock and egg roll. Why is that? Um, well, rock is, you know- Because you rock. Because I rock. Yeah. She was in the rock world. Rock. And I love Chinese food. Wow. And would you consider that <laughs> the essence of the story that you have to tell, rock and roll and your love of Chinese food? You know- Rock definitely. Yeah. I've kind of gone off Chinese food. So. Thank God you didn't get this. Me- you, 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 there was another whole chapter that needed to be written. But, but also <laughs> egg rolls. So Chinese food has in in New York, uh, where you grew up, Chinese food was sort of what you did on Christmas Day. The Jewish families would eat Chinese food, or Chinese food was sort of a big thing as, in a, as you were a kid. And then in the sixties, of course, we go to the Chinese restaurant. That was very a real Jewish thing to do. But I just remembered when I was pregnant with you or Donna, I can't remember, I craved egg rolls. Uh, <laughs> egg rolls, okay. The MSG. That's cute. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. cute. Um, egg rolls are cute. They're like a little wrapped up baby. Food <laughs> wrapped up in a little roll. What was the... St- wait, were you left somewhere as a baby? I'm trying to think of like you as a little girl and the famous stories about you and the family. What was the... Is it the one where I was a baby? <laughs> yes, and my I was in a push in a pram, you know, in a proper carriage, and my mother went to the butcher. This was on the Lower East Side, I think, or Brooklyn, and 
she went shopping, she went home, and it was like, oh my God, I forgot <laughs> forgot the baby. Didn't do your and, big sister say, where's Enid or something? No. I, and you were at the butcher. I was at, parked outside of the butcher shop. Oh, so she left the car too. Oh no, no just it, a stroller you mean. She's yeah, just, yeah, 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 no, yeah. No cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah. old days when you'd go the butcher, the grocer, and she was just doing her errands one by one. Yeah, and just got, I don't know why she forgot me, but. She was caring, she cared more about the groceries. She did. No, she, she cared did. so much. She was the best mom award. But um, people think of you, sometimes we have jams and you've always loved, like historically our Thanksgivings will have a sing-along, you know, and we'll sing Cat Stevens. Remember when Richie Birkenhead was here and it was so fun. In this very room, we have sing-alongs and we play songs from the 60s and 50s and, you know, whatever, great songs. And uh, this guy, Joe Wong, who's a uh, composer. composer, and he was, I don't know if you remember, but everyone wants to make you happy. So whatever songs you wanted, he was like playing for you because people, when they find out you your history, you dated Jim Morrison and all of this stuff, people. But I think it's even more than just who you went out with and this. It's your vibe. It's, it's the your vibe. vibe. It's Enid's vibe. Love of music. I've always been, I'm not myself musical, but I love music and I love being around people, you know, musicians and just no. makes me happy. So when you were working at, the whiskey. You wanted to do that as a fan, right? It was a way to get, like, to see all the shows. Well, I needed a job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and, you know, with the whiskey was yeah. the place to be. I actually worked at the trip first, owned by the same people. Where and was that? Where was on that? Sunset, kind of, there was a famous place, Ben Frank's, and it was uh, right across the street from Ben Frank's. So, yeah, first the trip. And then I moved over to the, you know, Elmer Valentine, the wonderful Elmer Valentine, moved me over to the, the whiskey. And, and he, yeah. he had the whiskey, the trip, the Roxy, no, wait. The Roxy and the Rainbow. That was a little later on, but yeah. And he was a nice guy. Wonderful. Not like Bud Court from the improv. Bud Friedman. Bud Friedman. Oh, no, Bud Court, <laughs> from, also nice. Bud Court from Harold and Maude, right? See, that side. Bud, Bud Court apparently lovely person bud friedman who had the improv well, not so good not good memories no the improv was not good my memories. mom had a restaurant at the improv we used to see i wonder if, who we saw i mean I, we saw a lot of comedians because we were friendly with paulie shore back in the day and paulie shore has really worked his way into my heart on instagram slowly over the last few months that whenever i post a selfie he always writes handsome Underneath it. I was like, all right, buddy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but we saw, I saw a lot of great comedians. I'm sure when you had the restaurant, there were some good comedians. Yeah. Have. What do you remember seeing when you had the restaurant? I was usually so stressed out, but uh, I remember Charlie Fleischer. Oh, yeah. And, um, People would a- try out stuff like once in a while, wouldn't it be exciting? Like it would be like uh, Robin Williams or like not You were friendly with Richard Pryor personally. Yeah, I was going to say- there was an improv in New York in the mid '60s, and it's owned by Bud and uh, Richie used to perform there. And I Ooh, wait, this is Richard Pryor. We Richie. call him Richie. Was that what his friends called him? That's what his friends called him. So Richie Pryor. I didn't. I've Richie. never heard that. Yeah. I guess I've never had a conversation well. with anyone as intimate <laughs> with Richard Pryor as I am right now. 
Yeah. Uh, Richie Richard Pryor performed at the Improv in New York in the uh, mid-early 60s. And I was lucky enough to hang out with him and see his shows. Was that, and that was how you evolved from being a Richard peer to a Richie peer? It was like, like so there was that like graduation. you partied and hung, and was he nice? He was great. Oh, very sweet. Yeah, yeah, very sweet. So he wasn't one of those comedians that got like really shy. Like, you know, Robin Williams, I once saw him at the Mercer Hotel and he was like extremely withdrawn because I sat next to a table and of course it was like eavesdropping. But Richie Pryor was like out <laughs> sweet. He must have loved you. Everyone loves you. Well, you know, it was, I, it was so long ago. Yeah. And I mean, we weren't besties, but, you know, hung out. And that was also before he got, you know, in the 80s, I think he got, you know more serious addiction and probably right. yeah but let's go back to the whiskey so we're at the whiskey uh-huh you're seeing everybody play everybody. so who did you see give us a few come on oh my god run down the list um otis redding the doors love buffalo springfield um god everybody uh hendrix hendrix yes wow Definitely. that's amazing hendrix performed there um Remember if the mamas and papas, the birds. And did you ever sense, I always think about this with periods in history that become historical. Did you did you have a sense that something important was happening culturally or was it just the music you were digging? No, absolutely. You got this, it. You this was right important. Away. This was important. And, you know, most of those bands were starting out. Mm. You know, this was... Uh, you know, I remember hanging out with Denny Doherty from the Mamas and Papas, and he was homeless, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden there's a record deal, and he's buying a house in Laurel Canyon, and that's where you lived, didn't you? You date? I didn't know you dated him. I did. Yeah. Look, when it, whenever whenever someone says hanging out from this right. generation, <laughs> yes. they were making sweet love. Okay, yeah, <laughs> their whole story, uh, the Mamas and the Papas, is quite fascinating Mm -hmm. um just you know mama cass and michelle like it's such a intriguing story it it is um, very complicated very Mm. complicated the scene was quite small though right like in terms of people that were actively going to shows was a few hundred people i guess so i mean but everyone you knew was involved in it and was loving it and was right and the tropicana was a like a hotel people lived in that was behind the whiskey or no the tropicana was on santa monica boulevard um, and that's that still there i don't know if it's a best western yeah but, something. It's a motel but yeah, style, yeah 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 but yeah. that was where people would would hang out and stay so like before I've, the chateau became something yeah, yeah before it was the, the tropicana was where you yeah would, i'm sure the chateau was happening in another world but this was a you know musician Place. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. You, your older sister, my aunt, was sort of into like act the actor world a little more. Like she knew a lot of whatever, like you know, whatever Jack Nicholson in the early sixties, and that this sort of a different world. Right. But you were your you would, were interested in the music. I was drawn to the music world. I wonder if you have an inner musician. I mean, I'm the same. I'm like cut from the. I'm only with musicians, but. I don't, I think I'll pick up an instrument, but I don't. I just like yeah. being Would a, Would you guys ever form a duo? <laughs> like, is there a scenario? Because at 
a recent party, there you guys did do a performance of Leader of the Pack together. Oh my god, that was so <laughs> uncomfortable. I know that was so funny. Don't have a good voice, and I'm not, you know, good in front of an audience. So. Do you think there's any gender component to that? Because people have often talked about that that it was like it was a much bigger for a, a woman to get into the industry. It was there was a more of an uphill battle, and it was and in a way proximity to it through dating and everything was more socially acceptable, a way of being in a creative space. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, in fact, when I went, I went to this show the other night. It was a 60s psychedelic show. And, you know, you could see that it was just male, you know, just there the were, weren't that many women, you know, Michelle and Cass, of course, and Grace Slick, but mostly it the guys were out there. What were your memories of Joni Mitchell? I met Joni. Did I meet Joni? I guess um, late 60s, I guess. Uh, you know, I always like worshipped her. <laughs> you know, she's my favorite. Mm. But I, I didn't know her that well. Mm. But, you know, she was kind of a little withdrawn and. You know, she had her tight circle, and but she's brilliant. Yeah, know, she's, and courageous, I think, oh for her. This, like, you know, obviously super talented, but also, like, pretty young girl to get in there and just, like, carve out her space. Yeah, was, yeah. Was bold. Oh, right. I remember I was in Spain when I was pregnant with you. That's, that's when I kind of met her. She was there in Ibiza, and, uh, you know, she wrote that song down at, um, there were lots road. of pretty people there reading Rolling Stone, reading yeah. Vogue. Yeah, that song kind of where we hung out. And were you there when she played Woodstock because she couldn't go? No, I. The Woodstock story was I was living in England and I was friendly with, um, well, Crosby, uh, Stills. Nash, I can complete <laughs> well, the sentence. Uh, and, and, Gra- and Nash, Graham Nash, okay. and uh, they came to London. And I like the dramatic pause though, because I was know, waiting for I was a so, twist. I'm trying to, re- you know, yeah. put trying it together. To who, of which of course, because so, and Young wasn't there. No, Neil wasn't. He wasn't with them. Actually, John Sebastian was going to be in that group. I don't know how many people know that. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Sebastian. So wait, John <laughs> Sebastian that, was in Love and Spoonful. Love and oh, Spoonful. nice. Okay. So I went to a, a little gathering, and they played Woodstock. Um, they played the song. They said that Joni had. They said told the story, how she couldn't get there, but wrote the song. So I. That's when I heard it. Amazing. Did you meet Dylan in the 60s? Yeah. I mean, the cool thing, I, I didn't know him. I met him. But you the, hung out. But not, not hung out. But <laughs> Cynthia when I was, had a fling with him. She did. Yeah. But I, when I was very young, before I came to LA, like seven, I used to hang out in the village, in Greenwich Village. And there was this club called the Cafe Wa, or the Fat Black Pussycat, one or the other. <laughs> And Dylan used to play there. This is before he was Dylan. So I got to see him, you know. He was doing like Woody Guthrie covers and stuff, like right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. and I guess he did some of his. I, mm. I don't know. 
Did but, you see a lot? Did you see a lot of those kinds of um, what were they called? Beatnik kind of beatnik, generation. What yeah. was that like? Was it so fun to hunt down there? It was. In the village? It was fun. Um, you were more sixties, but that's yeah. No, I because I was really young. I started going down there because Joanna, my older sister, uh, used to hang out. So did you think she was so wild? Because that scene was pretty. Like well, Lenny Bruce. You were friendly with Lenny Bruce. I, I knew Lenny Bruce. We weren't great friends, but yeah, I knew him. Yeah. Really <laughs> no, no, just not, oh. you know. No, no, no. I didn't. I never had a thing with him. I didn't know him that well. Right, right, right. But he, you know, he was. He was around. Yeah, he was around. Well, he was, was he part of the beatnik? Yeah, he was part of that oh, scene. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure. What are some of your Beatles memories? We, when I was living in England with your father, we before we got our own place, um, George and Patty said we could stay with them. They were living in Esher at the time. So we lived with them and, you know, met everybody, you know, met, um, uh, you know, Paul and John and Ringo. They would come and hang out. <laughs> it was amazing. And Patty Boyd was really nice. You oh, were so, so you were sweet. pregnant with Dono, my brother. When we were living there, I obviously I I didn't know I was pregnant yet, but I was. And it was the sixties. It was the sixties. <laughs> well, and, also that's what pregnancy is yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. yeah you true. don't know it sometimes. I at mean, first. Patty had the most incredible wardrobe. I mean, she was a model, and she was you know, and she said, "Oh, you could wear borrow anything of mine." And I remember I borrowed the suede jacket or something, and we went out to dinner, and I got sick. <laughs> on her jacket, not knowing I was pregnant. I was so, you know, horrified about it. Uh, Amazing. But of course she was, you know, don't worry about it, could be clean. And you uh, thought George Harrison, you had like a crush or just oh, like... Oh, that was another, that was before. When I first came to LA, I was friendly with this girl, Bobby Shaw, who was a, uh, she did all the beach blanket bingo movies. And she got invited to parties. This was before I went to England. And she invited me to go with her. The Beatles, it was the first time they were in L.A. And we went to this house in, I forget which canyon it was, one of the canyons. And, you know, we're sitting around, smoking pot, you know, crazy. And I had a big crush on, on George. And, um, like, it was already, like, getting light in the morning. And he, Paul had left with some blonde and... Uh, George looked at me and he kind of did a head thing like, hey, come on. And I sat like, <laughs> what should I do? And he walked out of the room. And like a few minutes later, I thought, you know, hey, George Harrison, I have such a crush on him. And I walked out into the, this hallway and nobody <laughs> was there. So I blew it. Ah, oh, that was it. <clears throat> that was it. And I told him the story a few years later when we were there and of course, he didn't remember, but he thought it was very funny. I pictured almost like a comedy. Like it in was my, like a comedy. In my fantasy. I remember when you told me that, I I said, why didn't you knock on all the doors and <laughs> open all the doors, try to find him? But you no. you said, Walk no, in on Paul I... and some blonde. No. <laughs> so wait, let me ask you a question. In this period, all of the, you're witnessing all of these people go from relative obscurity to kings of the world, basically. Mm -hmm. Whose ego got most out of control? 
probably David Crosby and Stephen Sills. <laughs> they were like real egomaniacs. I I don't know the you know I mean because Graham Nash was sweet. Oh, so sweet. Like fame changed them the most. You felt I th- yeah. For, for what you, know, you witnessed. From what I witnessed, yeah. What about mm. Jim Morrison? Jim was, um, he was a sweetheart. He really was. Uh, you know, he had his, certainly had his issues. When I knew him, he uh, he wasn't that crazy. Uh, crazy being, you know, that much into drinking and drugs. We certainly did our acid stuff and smoked a lot of pot. But he was just a so smart, brilliant guy. So do you think it was more drugs or more fame and adulation that messed him up? I would say drugs. Yeah. You were together about a year around in Laurel Canyon? No, not a year. No, not that long. In in Laurel Canyon? Uh, No. We actually um, were in this little apartment near the Tropicana. Not, Not for that long. Obviously, this period... There was all this amazing creativity and experimentation and society was kind of opening up. And there were so many casualties too, mm-hmm. both in terms of people losing their life, but also people kind of losing their minds. Is it just chance? Was it the roll of the dice? Or were there certain people who, I guess, couldn't handle yeah. what was happening, you know? Yeah, I think it was both, really. I mean, there were people who you could see they were just going to fall off a cliff. They they didn't not that they didn't care they just couldn't had no control and then other people just seemed fine you know got high a little bit and just boom did the wrong thing and mm. yeah either that happens mess their heads up or they died yeah together we're weird, we're weird together when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One of the things I love about you is while this whole period, obviously, you, you're happy to talk about, you, you you very much live in the present moment with you. You know what I mean? As opposed to yeah, yeah, yeah. some people, yeah. some of your peers, they little bit live in the past. Oh, yeah. Well, I think of something, <laughs> I mean, I think of something is so exciting. Like if you have a very exciting 20s, it's hard. You loved parenting and stuff and you just sort of were able to kind of you had the best, most fun house growing up that, in fact, my old friend Karis has modeled her life on the way our household was growing up. So you were able to keep all of that kind of- And you've of, kept that alive too, just yeah. like your mother had an open house for people who were who needed company Yeah, too. and just yeah. wanted to have a nice no, time. Kind of had to, yeah. um, you know, because after living that life and, you know, when I left England with two babies- and it was a really hard, really, really hard. And, you know, the kids were, you and Donna were the only thing that really kept me going, you know, had to. You becoming a single mother, raising two kids, mm-hmm. 
was sort of like the end of the 60s in a way in that like the fan the 60s had this massive fantasy for everybody yeah, involved I mean, I was for some born- people it was Altamont for some- but it seemed like there's like a coming down to earth that happened What's after Altamont? the 60s it's the Stones concert where the kid oh, got stabbed and right. it's sort of known as like the right. end of the 60s in right. a way. Yeah. But it feels like these coming down to earth moments are part of what happened to yeah. everybody in a way. I always wanted kids. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was all about like how to keep going on. And luckily, you know, I had some, I was friends with uh, Paul Kantner and Grace Slick, Jeff- Jefferson Airplane, and they took, us in you know i went to in San, Fr- san francisco right yeah yeah that's how because you know my parents you know my dad was a cab driver in new york city and lived in a small apartment i couldn't go there with i mean i could but there would be that would be very tight squeeze yeah and i would have been <laughs> miserable so there's no turning back yeah yeah, yeah you so can, we lived yeah. in san francisco for a few months you made it fabulous and also we had you know cooked meal every night we went to the same school like we stayed in the same house it was very consistent yeah once we got back to la LA, yeah it settled down once we got back and what about like when the kids when dono and ioni got older and they were going into show business like did you have concerns or did you just feel it was positive like what was your vibe about it well you know, I mean, especially with Dono, you know, it was inevitable that yeah. it was, you know, he was going to get into it. I only, it was, it was a surprise, <laughs> but she's uh, still surprised. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I am surprised. surprised. Yeah, my brother, just to make it clear for the listeners, because he was so outgoing, he made it happen for himself. Yeah, yeah. So no, it he was always like- from a baby. He was a performer, um, but you know, my concern was that they wouldn't be, you know, when when they were rejected for any opportunity, you know, any jobs or something that they would take it in stride and not let it, you know, really kind of mess them up. Like their feeling of self-esteem. or Yeah, yeah. That makes sense that you were concerned about just how we can handle the rejection as opposed to like, would we be corrupted or something? Because most of our jobs just didn't have that feeling to them. Right. And well, I guess my head just didn't go there. And if you, you grew know? up in LA, I yeah. think you're going to be exposed Aware. to and, these things. You know, and just you, around yeah. that world. Yeah. Because um, even though the music world was more my thing, I certainly knew people in the acting world. So, no, it always felt like, okay, go for it. Mm. You know. Yeah. But you certainly weren't like a you know, pushy, like, get them in the business kind of mom. No. In fact, you were, like, kind of so casual. You weren't, like, yeah. go for it. Yeah. No, I I enjoyed it, and, you know, especially when you were doing, like, the Say Anything, and we flew first class and stayed in fabulous hotels. And... For the publicity tour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a – I have not done a fancy – but publicity tours are exhausting. But I, I have – that was uh, fun one because it was from another era i mean i'm sure there are still fancy ones now but not for me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it will be oh look at that so i have a question for you Enid. yes in recent days yes there has been a widespread 
a growing and widespread appreciation for your daughter, for her unique take on things in the world. It's like people are starting to understand what a unique psyche is stored inside this person. And have you been aware of this for some time or have you equally, has this been a more recent revelation for you? Well, I guess more so lately, but, you know, kind of always, I only obviously, you know, very special. (laughs) (laughs) What was she like as a little kid? She was shy. She would hide behind me, you know, not like Dono, her brother, who was the most outgoing. I only was kind of be behind my back, and you know, just, but very, very sweet and uh, really a good girl. And creative, right? Oh, she yeah. Was always, always drawing and drawing and reading and writing and. And I was very literal and kind of ditzy. I mean, I'm smart, but I was sort of ditzy, like, right? Kind of like, not ditzy, but just like. And still are. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like just sort of, you, you're you not entirely tethered to practical reality. I mean, it's, I'm, I, I think of myself as very um, deep, insightful, very bright in some ways. And then at the same time, I have this, you know, dingbat side. Well, you were. And a space of your head was always in the clouds. Do you think this dingbat side comes more through your side or her father's side, which has the deeper lineage of dingbat behavior? my side. <laughs> your side. <laughs> yeah. It's endearing. You know, I always knew she'd be okay with whatever, and especially being with you, Ben Lee. Yeah. You know, what do you I think mean, of my husband? Um, <laughs> you know, I adore you and i think you guys are the best couple i know well i've felt that one of the things that's been helpful to me is because of your you know you're open to out there stuff i'll never forget once probably at my most like out there stage of like ayahuasca group kind of stuff where you said to me once you said ben don't go too far out there, okay? <laughs> and and you looked at me very pointedly in the eyes. And what was so great about it was there was a real honoring of my experience in it, mm-hmm. that I was on a journey. And you were like, but you got to also balance it out. Keep your feet on the ground. And I felt that was some amazing advice. I always really felt grateful for that. I'm glad I was there for you. Yeah. Because it was both. You weren't telling me like, you're crazy for no, no, exploring no. all this stuff. And you weren't telling me, It was just very, yeah, it was very, I've always felt very accepted by you. And I think people do in general. That's why people love you because they don't feel judged by you. They feel very welcomed. That's so true. Well, I've enjoyed your journeys as well. (laughs) I love, you know, the puja ceremonies that we had and trips to India, you know, all of that was great. It's working out our families together because, you know, I love, I love your mom. And mm-hmm. she feels sort of familiar. There's that familiarity with, you know, the kind of mom you had, even though she's sort of more old-fashioned than you. Yeah, my mom's yeah. kind of old-fashioned, but she's also kind of open in a she's way. She's very like, open. No, so were your good. parents freaked out when you and Joanna, your older sister, were gallivanting around the world with movie stars and rock stars? I mean, that would be terrifying to parents of that generation. Um they were kind of oblivious. <laughs> they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know. I mean, my dad especially, you know, just put us in a kind of in a place where he he just did not understand or 
get it. And my mom, she was amazing because it was so not something she could relate to, and yet she was always, always there for me, even though she didn't understand it. Yeah. yeah. I'll never forget when she, I was hiding my tattoo from her because in the Jewish religion and also that generation, tattoos, you know, it's not a thing. And we were in a change room. I was changing in like a department store with her and she, <sighs> she saw my tattoo on my hip and she touched and she went, oh. and, um, but it was so like sweet and gentle and I felt so bad and I just felt terrible. But she was, her reaction was so sweet. She had a reaction, but it was like, I don't know. She was just so, I love my she grandma. She would never make us feel uncomfortable in no, any she way. Loved, yeah, she was so sweet. I do remember her telling you, you, you could smack us once in a while because we were kind of rotten kids because <laughs> you didn't. She was like, you should smack them sometime. Not like bad because we were, she just felt bad for you because we, she, these two wild LA children with running around and you like, oh. So before we wrap up, mm-hmm. I know that you're someone who's always been very compassionate to the state of the world and people suffering and wanting the best for for the world. That's part of your 60s hippie yeah. heart, right? And I just, I, I was just curious, like, what are your broader hopes for just where things are going at the moment? Just, you know, you're an elder of the community now and like how, how, how you see things going and what you hope for. I don't want to leave this on a, on a down. No, yeah, but hopes are the positive. Well, hopes the positive, the- you know, I mean, I, I do have faith in the younger generation doing, you know, especially things like climate change or um, helping people less fortunate just being there. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, I think that a majority of the younger people are aware and wanting having to do something about it. So that's where I have my my hopes and dreams. You know, I look at my kids and grandkids and I see some good positive stuff going on. Yeah. And you've stayed pretty positive. You're just as in your personal life, you're Yeah, I mean, I just I mean, sometimes I think I bury my head in the sand cuz I can't, you know, deal with some things, but I, I wake up every day and I'm definitely grateful, you know, for health, my family. Um, Your cheekbones. You know, what? Beautiful cheekbones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that we're able to live the life we live, you know, traveling and being close to you guys. Yeah, I'm it's very, so very true. lucky. My greatest joy, you know, you and Dono and Jack and the girls and D3 and I, that's and Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so and so and finally, what so what advice would you give to your grandchildren who are like just starting their journeys out into the world? Well, I just hope that they keep their feet on the ground and be positive, you know, about the future and and you know, accepting and and go for it. Go for their dreams. And well, that's good. Go for it. Go for it. Thank you for joining us. A pleasure. There's so many more stories. We well, there'll a, be many return visits. We can visits. have a part two and three. Do you um you want to say goodbye to the beautiful babies? 
All right, beautiful babies. Um, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, great. that was great. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.